Just a quick announcement at the top of the show. Movies is going to be recorded and released twice a week, every week, from this point going forward. Head on over to patreon.com slash so you don't miss a single episode, and you'll also be able to get exclusive access to series like After Dark, niche influential films of the 20th century, where each month I am going to be covering an underrated or overlooked film from the 20th century that had a lasting cultural impact that maybe isn't even noticed today. There's also Glue Addict, a reality television program starring myself and Hans, and also Jake and Jerry from Civic TV, and Kenny, America's favorite, from Comfort Systems, our sketch comedy series. Go on over there again, patreon.com slash lowers, $5 and up level. You're going to get a whole bunch of stuff, and I'm probably going to give you a little bit of insight on the making of our feature film that we've been working on for the past year, Mass State Lottery. Patreon.com slash lowers. Enjoy the show. This is Movies, a podcast about the act of cinema. With me today is Hans. Hi. How are you doing tonight, Hans? Good. I was just uh, listening to the hit show. Uh... Oh, hold on, I forgot the name. <laughs> I forgot the name. <laughs> uh, it's, we were, we, were, we it's, just came uh, off a stream, right, yeah. with, uh, with Death Curse, with Spencer from, from Death Curse, who's an artist, a fundraising stream. And as a matter of fact, uh, we are currently raising funds for the Mass State Lottery post-production uh, campaign, and we're currently close to $3,500 right now. Uh, we don't really have a specific goal in mind, but obviously the more help we get, the better. And the fundraiser closes now in 48 hours. So this will be up probably around 10 a.m. on Monday. And... Uh, there will be a little over a day or a little under two days by the time that you guys are hearing this. So if you'd like to contribute, we are giving away screener copies of the finished movie, my directorial debut that stars Hans and myself, Mass State Lottery, for anyone who donates $20 or more once this movie's finished, and we're hoping to have it picture-locked by December. But we can only get it done that quickly if we have a little extra money. And... Additionally, you know, if you want to give more than $50, you're going to get a special thanks credit in the final uh, credit roll. And if you're a high roller, if you want to bet, you know, $500 to $5,000 on the uh, success of this film and have your name on it, well, you're going to get a producer credit. Like good old Justin Wang, who uh, threw a, a significant chunk of money into this project and we say thank you to him and everybody else who's contributed thus far uh, to see that this movie's finished. So that's what they get because he messaged me asking me for photos of my feet. I thought that was part of the deal, <laughs> so I sent it to him. Uh, so, Justin, uh, if you hear this, uh, don't share those. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to wind up on. I, you know what? Someone should make you a Wiki Feet page from your Civic Wiki TV. <laughs> from your Civic TV outings. Size 13, dry, very dry. <laughs> Sounds like shit. I don't even know what information is in there. But what, what I was saying is that I was listening to the uh, podcast, uh, Romero Pictures and the Indie Brigade podcast. Hold on. The George Romero has a podcast? This is amazing. No, it's, it's George C. Romero. It's his uh, son. Uh, oh. George, oh. George Cameron Romero that only on occasion goes by Cameron Romero but usually he goes by George because that way people will know that it's not his dad um, but I was listening to his show and it reminded me of uh, of one of our favorites uh, from back on 
in this day when we're young and listen to Opie and Anthony and they would talk about Scorch, a hero, a radio hero. A, a hero I'm sure still doing it somewhere. Public yeah. access. He's probably in Branson, Missouri with Yakov Smirnov. Uh, and uh, I, I got into this George C. Romero hold because I, I found that, that uh, he's working on a prequel to Night of the Living Dead along with Richard Grieco, who's his business partner. Who was uh, the host of Cheaters, right? Yeah. Yeah. Was he? Yeah. He got no, st- well, no. He faked a stabbing on Cheaters. This is Richard Grieco. Oh. Wasn't it the, someone's son or some actor's grandson? It could be. He, it could be both. It could be both. No, I know no, I mean, a the, Grieco the... got stabbed on cheaters allegedly, and then I think they walked it back and said it was fake. That's Joey Grieco. That's oh. not this guy. Yeah, that's different. That's the guy with silver hair. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> well, what uh, hold on. What, what's the scoop on Richard Grieco then? What the one I was talking about was Clark. James Gable, remember that he was host of Cheaters too? That was Clark Gable's grandson. That yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, no, Richard Grieco is the actor. Okay, so is he related to Joey Grieco? I, I, I don't know. Let me see. Uh, wow, he's best known for being the longtime host of the reality TV show Cheaters, hosting for 10 seasons. That was not even considered reality TV when it was back on the air. I think that was considered like a game show. If you you know, the game was... being being caught by <laughs> yeah. your spouse in a hotel room. Yeah. The game is everyone saw your spouse cheating on you on Bellary Furtage. The, the game is you uh, and you're, then... you're a cuck to America. That's your what you're known for is being cheated on. Yeah, and they just run around the parking lot while the, the host, with his gray slick back hair and glasses, asks you to stop. Oh, he always had a, a scarf too, right? That I think so. Thing. I think that was more later thing. That's very like uh, early 2000s Bravo television, you know, style of look. Anyway, what is George C. Romero <laughs> up to with his podcast? Oh, yeah. Uh He's he he's very sad. The podcast uh, it has uh, two hundred views uh, and it's hosted on the heavy metal page. Uh, I was confused because you know the heavy metal magazine, right, from the eighties or sure, yeah, nineties yeah, yeah. or whatever. That's the the channel, but it only has six hundred and fifty subscribers, uh, and it has a lot of like like there's a bunch of videos where it says going live with. Dan Fogler, do you remember him? Jared Fogler. Dan Fogler. Oh no, 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 no! I don't, I don't know at all. Uh, Dan Fogler. What if is he known his... for? Um, not Jack Black. That was oh. his role and everything. Oh, oh, hold on. He was in the ping pong movie, and he might have been in Fanboys. Yep. I know who you're talking about. Yeah, him, not Jack Black. Uh, but I'm just confused because I thought that this magazine had like a. Oh, I guess the channel is not that old. It's a year old. But only 600 people and... Well, yeah, yeah because I don't know, it, I guess. you're George Romero's son. You're not known for anything other than your name, which came from somebody else who's much more famous. Uh, people don't really seem to care. Uh, it, no offense to the family members, but that, that seems to be the case. If you look at Kubrick's daughters, 
I mean, one of them is uh, has a following just because she tweeted Pizzagate stuff. Not really because she's the daughter of Kubrick. I didn't even know. Are they? Are any of them related or in film at all? Um, his, I think his wife might be tangentially uh, related to uh, some projects or whatever. I know uh, her brother, his brother-in-law is a film producer. So there's something going on there. But as far as his children go, I, I don't think so. All right. Well, I just wanted to shit on George C. Romero. (laughs) (laughs) It just sounds, I'm sure they're nice, but it it just sounds like, you know, when Opie and Anthony were on the radio, were like the biggest thing next to Howard. And then you have a lot of other radio shows that were kind of trying to do the same thing. So you have the, the rock guy. That's this cool guy that I only like skulls and fire. And my hands are always doing the horns, you know, that type of thing. But they can't curse. Yes. Big it's J. all very Okerson. sanitized. Yeah. But not funny. I, I still like Jay. Uh, this show is three and a half hours. This Romero podcast. Um, and so he's going for views. a Joe Rogan style talk program is what you're saying. It's him and yeah, but, a guest. And some guy. And some guy that. Who's the guest? Has a, Joe Ridgely. Who is jo- Joey Greco like, is the is the guest on the program. <laughs> that sounds like a great from, time to me. I don't know what you're complaining about. You're talking. You're complaining about free TV shows. That's what I'm hearing. I'm I'm just saying we should get him on the show to talk about all of his dad's movies, <laughs> and his new project. Yeah, I'm sure he would love that and not bring up his podcast or his own ventures at any point. Just oh, so when your dad was working on this movie. Uh, what did you What did you think about that? You know, well, that's the bit, right? You don't. That would really... be that would be a great thing to do with Nick Cassavetes. Is just be like, oh, so you directed John Q. So what, I, I mean, your dad directed all these movies. I mean, that's <laughs> that's quite the can accomplishment. We about, can we talk about the superior movies, not yours. I just I, I started following Nick Cassavetes <laughs> on Instagram today, and uh, he's got a very interesting persona and life. And he loves posting naked pictures of his much younger girlfriend. So that's a wow. that's a thing. And uh, I think his username, if anybody is interested, is um, thank you. What well, <laughs> I was uh, looking for? It. Paul, it's Paul Sminas. What what? Paul Sminas is Nick Cassavetti's uh, Instagram handle. Paul underscore Sminas, like Sminas, but with an S, S-M. And How a do you U. spell it? With a U. I'm not plugging. I'm not. Look, we're talking about Reservoir Dogs tonight. This has nothing to do with <laughs> Nick Cassavetti's. But hey, did you know that Vincent Gallo was originally supposed to be one of the Reservoir Dogs? No. Which one? I believe he was supposed to be Mr. Pink. Hmm. I think he I think he was approached for I think. I think. I could be wrong. Because Buscemi was in it very early on. And he shot some cans footage with um Tarantino that was essentially like a like a test run that he ran by some other filmmakers and they said, Oh no, it's too static. You you're not moving the camera enough. Having a fixed position with actors moving around doesn't look 
as professional. You have no future in this this medium. And um, I, I know that Buscemi and, and Harvey Keitel were involved from the jump. And I think Christopher Walken may have been approached to play the Joe Cabot role. And uh, also uh, Timothy Carey was in the running for that from Paths of Glory and uh, The Killing of a Chinese Bookie. Right. Well, I think uh, I had not seen this movie in a, a decade at least. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I really enjoyed it all. Uh, everything about it. I, I remember that uh, I, I, I don't remember what, uh, who, but uh, mentioning that it now in, re- in retrospect and after seeing his career uh, it's kind of cringe because it's like the beginning and like there's a lot of Tarantino e things that happen in it but uh, I I don't know if I liked it more now that I that I liked it before but I was yeah glued to me. even though I knew exactly what was going to happen uh, the performances are so good that, that yeah, I, I I was still really into it from beginning to end, even though, you know, like I said, I I, I didn't exactly remember the order of everything, but I, you know, you've seen it before, so you know what's happened or what's mm. going to happen. But it was really uh, interesting also to put it against um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which was his last one, right? Which is, right. I think, the last Tarantino movie we yep. did. Uh, because... Uh, it's like two completely different movies. Like it looks like they're two completely di- different directors, I guess. One of them is very tiny, contained, you know, it's all in one room, not all of it, but most of it in just one room with a couple of angles. And that's, it's not, it's not very visually interesting and it's all, you know, dialogue and performance based, I would say, uh, even though there is some very interesting camera work in it. It's very stage then, play, you know, the, yeah. the, the, the fixed location of that funeral parlor that I guess was abandoned or something. And, you know, even the, the vehicle that they're using is a hearse. It's all very lo-fi and the performances that he manages to get out of the actors while being good is still kind of amateur-y. And it has that like amateur, ta- what Tarantino is going to perfect, I think by the time he gets to Jackie Brown um, is still a little bit rusty here for obvious reasons. It's, 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 it's his first real feature film, um, discounting my best friend's birthday and whatever was the lead up um, in shooting Reservoir Dogs with that he was working on with uh, Buscemi. And um, yeah, I, I mean, I completely agree with you. I, I think the last time I had watched Reservoir Dogs, I was kind of like, obviously, I don't enjoy this as much as I did when I was 13 and I checked it out for the first time. It was so cool. It was the coolest movie I've ever yeah. seen. Damn, yeah. I want to do this. Um, but, uh, this time around, I think after that initial like readjustment phase of, okay, I'm 27 and watching this movie. Now I'm 30 and I'm watching this movie and it's like, all right, well I can pick apart certain things and it's a very enjoyable movie start to finish. And, uh, I think Tim Roth, uh, you know, plays an enormous amount into that. Um, and maybe doesn't get enough credit. It's always Michael Madsen. People always come away with, oh, Michael Madsen was the coolest one. He was Mr. Blonde or Harvey Keitel. And Harvey Keitel is great. Um, He's definitely a needed aspect of this movie because the the acting that, you know, he brings to the table, I think brings it to a professional level. So you have people like Chris Penn who can fuck around and do their Chris Penn thing or Michael Madsen (laughs) who's like the cool guy and he's not necessarily a good actor 
right? He's just kind of giving stale deliveries or plain deliveries and, uh, you know, oozing visual very, charisma. Very, very, yeah, very natural, though. Like, yeah. it, it, even though it's nothing, like, his dialogue is nothing special. Like, there's nothing great about it. But it sounds like something that guy would say. Uh, and the fact that he's delivering it in such a, like, sloppy way and not, not like, it doesn't seem very rehearsed. It adds to the fact that this is such a unstable character, at least at the beginning when we don't know him at all. Yeah. Uh, so I think getting that performance from him, where it's it, it seems very um, effortless, uh, adds a lot to to that character. Even that, even though it's not on screen for that long. Uh, well, like you said, it's one of the you know people remember the most just because of how psychotic he is. Right. Um, and then obviously you have Steve Buscemi, who's the wormy little guy who's uh you know in it for well he's he's in it for the paycheck and he's the only one who gets out alive although if you do crank up the audio as uh as who's what's tim roth's character uh mr mr orange as mr orange is bleeding out on the floor uh and uh you know being held by mr white who he then reveals to uh you know he is a cop you can hear buscemi's showdown with the police outside uh, which is something oh, really? I only discovered, I th- I think, like, my second or third time watching it. I was completely clueless. This. I was like, oh, cool, he got away. But then you go on the Quentin Tarantino message boards in 2004, 2005, or whenever it is. Oh. They're like, well, no, he got caught by police or he was killed by police. We don't know. You hear him yelling back and forth with the police officers outside and then gunfire. And then the gunfire slows and uh, I think a police officer said something or another. And then Tim Roth's character is killed. Right. Tim Roth, you mean Buscemi? No, 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 no. Uh, Mr. Orange. Mr. Orange is shot oh, by right, Mr. When he's White. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, and I, I would also... Out of sync, by the way. That sound, I don't know if you noticed at the end. I think he, there's a line or there's something that Harry Keitel says and it's out of sync from the action. I didn't or notice it might that. might have been me. I think that yeah. might have been you. I have a DVD copy Maybe that I me. that I threw into okay. the, the player. Um, I'm maybe, I mean, I, it's 1992, right? So it's not out yeah. of the realm of possibility yeah, yeah, yeah. that that was the case. Um, this it's is also crazy to think about that this movie with this type of, uh, I mean, it's not a really rough subject matter, but it's pretty graphic and it's, and, and, uh, language wise too. It's not like everything that you would see at that time. And, Thinking about it coming out in '92, that seems like such a innocent time in movies. Still, uh, seems like such a wrench that's just thrown in there uh, out of nowhere. I guess maybe that's why it was such a hit. Uh, because when you just said '92 right now, I don't know why I thought that this was like '97, '98. Uh, just because of the tone and everything that happens in the movie, that just say you saying '92 feels like such a you know outside of that age i guess this, yeah. this movie yeah i mean I, I i don't think it was that uncommon to uh hear people talk in that kind of uh, explicit manner or have racial slurs be frequently used in in dialogue i think that was still pretty par the course for the time but the way that tarantino has his characters deliver dialogue is obviously very different than anyone who came before and he paves the way for a lot of the 90s filmmakers. And I think Kevin Smith is like, you know, he's the clear yeah. example of someone trying to take that 
uh, maybe take a little bit of Spike Lee and Richard Linklater and all these 90s iconic filmmakers and do his own thing with that. But the thing that I think you can directly like draw through line to is the dialogue. The dialogue in a Tarantino film where they're just talking about pop culture then is you know transferred into something like Clerks where it's not really as... I mean, back in the 90s, I'm sure it was charming. And this is kind of what we were talking about just on that stream where you're like, well, what was the appeal of Ready Player One to anybody, right? But in yeah. 2011, when you don't have as much oversaturation of 80s culture, that's going to appeal to a certain market because it's like, hey, I grew up with that. It's the thing when you're watching The Guest and you see the Halloween three masks that are hung up in the gymnasium. And uh, it's not the culture that we live in now where... Everyone is like critical consensus, contrarian opinion. Halloween 3 is the best. I have that opinion, but I'll say it right now. That's the go-to now contrarian opinion um, that is popular, which is that Halloween 3 is the best one. People weren't thinking that back which, then. Uh, right. Season yeah, it was a flop, right? Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, it was. So uh, for a book like Ready Player One to have all the 80s references to Spielberg films and do this and that and integrate these characters and this, like that, that was still kind of new to people. And so in the 90s, you know, you have your Kevin Smith talking about Star Wars for almost four minutes straight between two characters, between two actors who can hardly deliver dialogue in a natural manner. And people were like, what, what? People are talking about Star Wars? And it's like, it's literally just like a podcast on a theater screen. That's brand new to people. People weren't ready for that. And so now you have Tarantino. You go back to that where they're talking about Madonna at the at the diner table and the ethics of yeah. tipping. And that's not something that's commonly seen. It doesn't play into the rest of the movie, really. It's just there. It's just a character development moment. And not even character character, although you kind of can glean insights into their personalities based on that, but rather the character of the film itself. Mm -hmm. Let me ask you something. Um, just from what we know about the decades of filmmaking which one do you think that if you could go back in time with the knowledge that you have of how everything's developed up until 2021 which decade do you think would be the easiest to be successful in and by easiest i mean where it wouldn't take that much talent to become successful uh having the knowledge of you know everything that's happened up to 2021 because i i don't know if the to me, the, the 90s or I guess the early 2000s would probably be the, the starting one where, mm. you know, it's not that much effort put into the actual movie. There's not that much work because technology is advancing. Maybe not the 90s, but yeah. Well, what, what, what do you think? I, I would because like back. with all this knowledge, if you have all this knowledge, you could just be Tarantino instead of yeah, Tarantino. But that's be. not easy. But that's not easy, right? It's I don't not know if that would be really to come up with creatively rewarding either to be like all right well here's the blueprint here's what's coming let me right. just do that first i don't know if i had to go back to a decade like an era you know probably like uh i don't know probably 1920s and just scare scare people give them mass <laughs> state lottery and just see how people react see what what happens they're like color what color hold on is that a black man with you a white the, man on the screen is that a, what is the that tr the, that trick where you just press uh pause and then you remove the person and you press oh, again. that would that just like would be the world war oh my the world's god <laughs> yeah people would start yeah, killing themselves yeah. in the theater they think it was black <laughs> magic yeah oh, yeah that'd be yeah. great um 
No, I, I, I don't know. I don't know if there's really any era that I would want to like exist in as a filmmaker. I, um, I don't know. That's, that's an impossible question to really answer, I think, because so much of, uh, so much of my creative decisions anyway are influenced by what's going on around me. And so all I really know is that. So what I was doing, I mean, and it's impossible to even like compare what I might be doing creatively in 2005 to what I'm doing when I'm a kid still, or even like five years ago or six no, years ago. No, no, no. But that's, that's, that's what I'm saying with the, with not like now, like if tomorrow you can jump into a time machine and they tell you, okay, uh, you can just go before any film movement started. And you could be the one that starts it who becomes, you know, the most successful of that era or whatever you want to call it. Uh, but what would be, because, you know, it could be, you know, horror in the 80s, uh, which wouldn't bring you that much success as a director, right? You would still end up as a carpenter or as a, a Romero, which... Right. Carpenter is really, I think, like the best outcome for a horror director during that time. Yeah. You know, Um Again, he did, I, he didn't ruin his 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 legacy with. I mean, he right? didn't have a chance to ruin his legacy with a lot of shitty movies. I guess and just pivoted to music, which he's still good at. So that's good. Sure. I, I mean, he hey, he's got a, a very strong and long list of classics that um, you know are, are are still watchable by any standard today. And we're talking about a guy whose career ended. And like, in my opinion, ended on things like Memoirs of an Invisible Man and Vampires, and I like Vampires, and eventually Ghosts of Mars, which are still, you know, debatably almost enjoyable movies. I know Jake loves them. Jake lo- will certainly defend those films to the death, but I won't. <laughs> I think they're tr- I think they're bad. So, um, I don't know. I I mean, I feel like about the word. The, oh, the Jesus Christ! That, I, that didn't even enter my head once. I really thought, okay, the ending is Ghost of Mars, the war. No, no, I don't. I don't even believe he was really directing that. I don't. I think, I think there were some producers that were like, ah, why don't we do this? I'll do that. And John Carpenter was probably just sitting around, you know, sipping a juice box, taking it easy. Did you see it? Um, I I don't remember if I watched it or not for the retrospective. But it's, nothing comes to mind. I've so, seen some of it. I just haven't. Amber Heard. It's 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 like the 2010 horror movie. You know that mm-hmm. that should that says it all. You know, like the nothing deep, nothing that makes much sense. Really, it's just girls in an asylum, and oh, there's ghosts. That's it. Yeah, it's yeah. I'm, I'm good. I'm all right. Yeah. Uh, what What's your opinion on uh, Tarantino's other '90s films? I know we talked about Jackie Brown on this show, or we no, we yeah. didn't. We tried, and it turned into an episode on Jack. That was the <laughs> stab. At that <laughs> that was terrible. That's that's sure, that's, that's why Brandy's never been on the show again. By the way, she's dead. She died. Yep. She uh, she overdosed on fentanyl after that program. Yep. She was so humiliating, she, and she should have been. She over. She overdosed like Rod Stewart. <laughs> uh, um, <laughs> she doesn't I mean, like me already. Yeah, this is not she, healthy. She, you know, <laughs> who she likes and dislikes depends on on the day, on how she wakes up. So it doesn't really matter. It's all going to get reset tomorrow. Um, what, what's your opinion on Pulp Fiction? Uh, I think... I I think it's it's one of those movies where it's been in pop culture for so long 
that I I just have no interest in rewatching. Right. Just because that's the one, you know, that's the one that everyone mentions, that's the one that everyone references, that's the one that has the iconic, you know, uh, um, um, what's his name? How Travolta comeback thing, right? And Samuel Jackson. It's tapped out. I, it's it, you know, yeah. you, you, there's nothing really to grab from that and uh, extract from that and be able to criticize from that now today that hasn't already been said fifty times over. I think. I'm sure if I if I just because it's been so long since I've seen it, just like Reservoir Dogs, I'm sure I'll enjoy it, but. I think the the viewing experience is a lot different than if you saw it before the 2000s, before everyone started to rip off. Yeah, that, you know. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think it. I think Pulp Fiction is probably the definitive movie of the 90s. It completely changed the filmmaking landscape and also altered um, what the studios were looking to, you know, acquire from from filmmakers. It, it suddenly pushed things in a very indie, low budget direction. And you had tons of Tarantino ripoffs. I, you know, the one that I go to is Suicide Kings, which is one of the dumbest movies that has ever been produced and had a cast uh, that, you know, is certainly not deserving of its material. The fact that Christopher Walken would do that film is beyond me, especially since he did Pulp Fiction. Uh, total piece Johnny of Johnny Galecki? Oh, well, actually, Johnny yeah, Galecki Johnny Galecki's in it. Man. Johnny Galecki, <laughs> the kid Jay from E.T., uh, Jay Moore, Walking you know what? Sean Patrick I, Flannery. I kind of, I let me walk that back real quick. That movie didn't deserve Christopher Walken. The rest of the cast fit right in with that material. Jay yeah. Moore fake crying as he's holding a gun to his friend's head, like it's some dramatic moment. Sucks. It fucking you sucks. Got Dennis Leary, Dennis Leary, Jeremy Sisto. Yeah, you remember him? I remember Jeremy <laughs> Sisto from every Showtime series. Yeah, 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 yeah. Where he's just a guy with disheveled hair, but he's like the sexy student. Uh, prototype Mark Ruffalo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever happened to him? Uh, he he Mark got weeded Ruffalo out. Came along. Yeah. So he he does like Law and Order shows now. Oh, well. I mean, that's a good gig, you know. No, he does a show called FBI. Sure, sure that's he does. A, uh, propaganda. That's cool. I, Wouldn't I you like to be in a show like genre. that? Yeah, I'd, I'd love to be on Wouldn't Lethal like Weapon, the series. Just a detective? Which character from Criminal Minds would you like to be? Would you be the goofy... <laughs> <laughs> the goofy smart guy? Or would you be the stern black guy? Which one? Uh, did you girl? see that they were... <laughs> did you see that they were rebooting CSI with William Peterson back from Manhunter and the original CSI? Wow, No. Yeah, where are so, they? Or are they? Are they going? They still are. It's all full speed ahead. They're calling it CSI Vegas, and he's back, and he's seventy. And I posted a before and after. I posted him in Manhunter, and him now is a doughy faced, curly haired, white haired man. So, uh, very intimidating stuff. You know what though? Good for him because he's got like a pretty decent looking twenty five year old wife for a man who's like sixty five. So. That's what William he should Peterson, be known for. CSI, what is it called? Vegas? CSI Vegas. The now oh. sequel to CSI oh, wow. Cyber. You he, check it uh, out? Okay. Yeah. He's uh 
he's old. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But he looks yeah, like the Pillsbury Doughboy. Like, he looks like, uh, fuck, what's the singer's name? Uh, uh, is that an unusual? What is it? <laughs> Tom thing, Jones. Thing, thing. Yes, he looks yeah. like Tom Jones now. <laughs> Jesus yeah, fuck. that's a pretty good call. <laughs> That's yeah. That's a rough way to go. He was a cool looking '80s guy, and then he morphed into androgynous, smooth faced, white haired, chubby boy. He's sixty eight, and his wife is not twenty five. Well, how old is she? <laughs> At all? It's like an old lady. <laughs> what? <laughs> no. Oh wait, no, 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 yeah, His first wife, you mean? Yeah. It says, no, you're right, yeah, you're right, she's like a, yeah, yeah, okay, she's perfect, just like, it says here that they were, they were married in like 95, so that's not, oh, geez, that's, that's bad, maybe he went to Mexico to marry her, you know, the age of consent there is, is really scarily low. She's Italian. So, ah, well, they, that's what they do, yeah. you know. They yeah, love marrying much older guys. So, Tarantino, like those sex movies from the seventies, right? Tarantino's a much older man who's married to like a thirty-five-year-old. He's he's not gay. I thought Tarantino was gay. <laughs> no, you think he would be obsessed with men's feet? No, I thought he liked women's feet because he wanted to have feet like them. <laughs> uh, no no <laughs> all right well that's so show so much i know i guess yeah that, that would be the most to fuck their feet <laughs> <laughs> there's a there was a story that came out in 2008 or so that some like indian woman from hollywood was like i went out on a date with tarantino and he didn't want to sleep with me he just sucked on my feet for a while and then jerked off and left I felt used and abused because he never called her back. Yeah. That sounds like the Aziz thing, you know, <laughs> where it's like, well, that was really embarrassing. So I'm going to me too, this motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. This, this was all long Ace. before me too. So it didn't take off the same way. And people actually attacked her. Nowadays, people would form it as like, yep, that was a power imbalance. He should have known better being a multimillionaire, famous director, that you, a journalist, you know, you're, you're not on the same tier as him. Like, in what world do, you th- do, do, like, do these people imagine the relationships happening? Is it just, like, billionaires with billionaires <laughs> and millionaires with millionaires? Like, no, it's like those, those um, Anne Hathaway movies from, from when early in her career when all of a sudden she's a princess. Yeah. So they think that they're going to meet this millionaire and all of a sudden they're so interesting and charming that they're going to be like, yeah, you know what? My world is yours now. Uh, I also, no. <laughs> I love how uh, all the all the girls who were like, you know, Lana Del Rey-esque, oh, I'm into older men. I'm, I'm 24 years old. I really like 40-year-old men are now like aging into um, curmudgeon-y. Like, why would you like... A twenty six year old. If you're forty five, that kind of yeah. implies you're a pedophile. If you're dating a twenty eight year old and you're a fifty year old yeah. man, are you saying you want to fuck children? I think so. I think that's what that indicates. Like they're they're starting to it's get like, to the point where it's like you're you're the old model now. They you want are the, the reason. Model. You're nagging right now is the reason <laughs> why they don't nag yet. 
because they're young and they're not miserable yet. So I don't, that's, I don't, that's do you think that lady... Gen Z is just going to subvert everything about the millennials um, in terms of reproduction? Because it seems like your average millennial woman is 36, uh, loves Disney, and is a perpetual forever child and doesn't want children of her own. Uh, maybe. Which, which is that, kind that of... That wouldn't be a bad thing. Right. That well, so that, thing, that's, really. that's the thing. People like, are like... I, I, and this is what I don't understand about like the trad people. It's like you're 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 promoting. First of all, a lot of them are promoting families and this and that, and they don't have shit. They live by themselves in a fucking room, yeah. And they just use the internet. So you you know, I like to have the uh, the idea in mind that you lead by example. So you want more families? Well, go start a family and have the the beautiful ideal family that inspires everyone to want a family, right? Um, right. And a lot of these people who don't want families are fucking annoying, disgusting, gross pigs. And I'm very happy about the fact that their bloodline might just be yeah. cut off right there. That's a, <laughs> that's a net positive for everybody. Oh, less people? Less of these yeah. people? That sounds fantastic. Get rid of them. Fuck them. Yeah, it's justifiable. It's fine. It's like me. Like, I don't, I don't want to keep this going. Like, I think it should end in me. There should not be a mini-me. Uh, and uh, well, you've you've got you've I don't got uh, you've got custody of women's children yeah. and stuff. You know, you're yeah. You're like there. my 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 girl my girlfriend has a kid, and and that's why I'm like cool. Like you're I can a father, just you're already a father. You got I one. Can, you're I, good. Yeah, because like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't remember. I think it was like a family member that uh, an aunt or something that one day was like, "Oh, don't you want to continue the family name?" I was like, "For for what?" What has my family ever done that's worth continuing? Like, my grandparents had fucking six sons, and none of them amounted to anything. So why would you want to continue sure. this fucking thing, you know? It's well, like, here's, here's the beauty so, of being and I, a man. And I'm a millennial, and I think like that. So, you know. Are you a millennial? Right. Yeah. Are you Mid-30s, sure? Mid-30s, right? Yeah. Ah, well, well I'll, let, I'll let it pass. Was a millennial. We, we, we don't have to <laughs> investigate. To what I was saying, Listen, though. The the beauty of being a man, though, is you can change your mind in 15 years, and you're good to go. Um, however, again, if you're a woman, and you know you love I mean, Disney, and you love being a dog mom, well, I'm, <laughs> you know, I don't want to be Stefan Molyneux here, but science is science. You said you're good to go, but well, maybe, you really maybe, maybe you like need a, some vitamins first. You, I don't know. Yeah. Some blue chew. Some blue, yes. You you do need some Hit blue us chew. Back. Uh, but who wants to be an old dad? No, fuck that. You know, there's nothing worse than when you go to school and the kids show up and it's like, where's your dad? And they just point in the direction <laughs> of an old man that's just sitting, not even knowing what who their kid is or what they're doing there. It's just like that, that, the, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he had me at 40. It's like, nope. I'd rather not have any, you know? Hold on, hold on. Having a kid at 40 is not the same as... Uh, look, all right, maybe by the time... All right, actually, yeah. now that I'm doing the math in my head, you're kind of right there. I mean, we did have a, a kid at school. I think I brought him up before him. Tom A. Hearn. He, he, he had a big-ass yes. head with moles. He was gross. His dad was old. And we all, you know, when his dad would pull up to pick him up, we'd all be like, that's Tom Hearn's dad. He was just a man, a man with white hair. He looked like William <laughs> Peterson, and his mom was old too. Actually, it wasn't even it wasn't even like he dated a younger lady and uh, got her pregnant. And his mom those, was like forty nine or something. And those kids were always the weirdest fucking kids in school. 
because they they're being raised by two old people that are a couple of generations apart from knowing what's going on you know so they're yeah. just odd they're always just a kind like off a little bit off always so i yeah no i don't want to have a kid at 40 or 50 fuck you know they're 20 they're just barely learning who they are and you already don't know who they are my plan that is <laughs> i'm i'm gonna try and have kids right within the next five years and then i'm not gonna have any kids for a while and then i'm gonna try and have kids when i'm like 80 and just see if i can get <laughs> one more out just see what happens just just in case you know sometimes hey listen you want to look at the trump family okay a lot of people have a lot of opinions about the trump family you take a look at eric trump that's a bad trump you take a look at donald trump jr looks nothing <laughs> like trump donald trump had baron eric, trump you, at 60 eric or something eric's eric he, he's beyond because he's the one that looks like he's just not done not finished yeah you know, he, like lo- he looks like the- uh trump fuck gary Busey. Yeah, yeah, that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, rough, rough going. So uh, you take a look at those, and they're all undercooked boys. But then Trump pumps out Baron at sixty, and Baron's like the perfect spec, the perfect follow up to like, Trump visually. He looks just like he's him. like twelve. He's twelve, and he's like six five. <laughs> no, Trump. Like Trump is very tall. Baron yeah. towers over him, and it's peculiar. It, he, you yeah. know, if he went to a regular school, he would, he would own the school you know he, okay so what you're saying him. is what you're saying is just in case the kids that you're having in the next five years are little bitches that suck you want to try when you're older so that maybe your sperm is a little bit more you know fermented and come up with something better right yes you know it's kind of like um you know the the protein powder at that point you're not getting the nice smoothie right. You're getting the dust, and you got to mix it with a little yeah, bit of water. Yeah, you have to like it mix might. it with your finger. And, yeah. <laughs> it might have more <laughs> calcium. Get it off the. You have to get it off the walls because it's too thick. Yeah, right. You know, Ethan Klein. Ethan Klein is about thirty years old. That man. Thirty. He's about 30, 30, 30? 34 years old. He's not that much older. He's like your. He, he's probably younger than are you. Are you? Oz. Are you fucking serious? How old is this motherfucker? No, no way. He, uh, his wife Hila had to take oh all my these God. supplements. So they could have a kid because he wouldn't lose weight because he, you know, he got so fat to the point and you take a look at him and it's like, of course, that man has low testosterone. Uh, so he's not producing enough sperm and it took him all this fuss to try and have a kid when he could just drop weight, get in shape and then boom, boom, boom. And it would have been fine. But she went through all these procedures. She was doing this and that. And that's why you take a look at Hila Klein these days. And she looks like a goth kid at Hot Topic. She's like trying to try on a new identity to find a new man because no. she knows that Ethan no, no, isn't, no. you know, enough. She's not the goth kid. She is the mom of the goth kid that doesn't know how to connect with them. So they try to become them. So they paint their hair and start dressing like them and they still oh, hate them. Oh, no. I knew so many That's like her. 40, 45-year-old <laughs> moms like 10 years ago, 20, 15 years ago, who would get that like can I speak to your manager haircut? And they would add like a little purple thing to the hair, yeah. you know, to try and like make themselves look young. This is how I relate to my daughter that hates me and has hated me forever. He's, he's barely a year older than me. Ethan. Yep. He's 30. He's 35. Well, he'll be 36 in a month. You know what though? Uh, you, uh, that kind of takes, sucks a lot of the wind out of all the old jokes we make about you on the show. Cause no one looks at Ethan yeah. Klein as an old man. 
That's what, crazy. Really? That's crazy that he's older than you. I really thought he was going to be closer to my age. That would That's be more depressing, I think. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I agree. Um, so Tarantino is going to quit filmmaking now that he's had a kid. He's, this, this is his plan. This has been his plan for a while. He said 10 movies. Ten, right? This is yeah. my time to make movies. And then when I get to 10, I'm going to do a family. I'm going to have a family. He got married. He had a kid this past year. Uh, and the name is Leo. And um, that's going to be... Yeah, not alle- allegedly, allegedly, not Leo DiCaprio, but uh, her father sure. or grandfather's name was Leo. Allegedly. Right. So he's got one more in him. We'll, we'll see. Uh, if we don't count the Star Trek one that's in development that he wrote or did the story to. So which movie is this going to be his last movie? Nobody knows. Star Trek? I don't think so. I don't think he, I, I think he wanted to direct that one, but his, um, you know, the mandate that he gave to them was it's R rated. It's part of the, I think the Calvin timeline. I don't know. I don't know anything about Star Trek and, uh, I can do whatever I want with the characters. I can kill characters off. And they said, I think they yeah, said, sure, but you know, <laughs> you know how studios are and nothing has happened with it really. I'm sure they said yes before JJ Abrams made those movies. And before Discovery and Picard, and it was it was before Discovery and Picard, but it was after the J.J. Abrams movies because that third movie uh, flopped. I think that's the Simon Pegg one, right? Yeah, J.J. didn't. He only produced that one, I believe, and it was uh, Simon Pegg who wrote the script. I don't know who directed it. Maybe it was Justin Lin or somebody like that. Uh, Did not take off, and it kind of put a pause on that timeline of movies so that is where tarantino's idea was greenlit and i know that there is something in development with a story credit and i don't know uh you know his actual involvement beyond that so i and also he's already started putting together books there's two books that are coming out this year that he wrote. And one is nonfiction and I think like a Leonard Malton movie guide style of uh, mm-hmm. film reviews. And the other is a novel of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which was originally, I think it was about four hours long. And um, he took the full script to that and he fleshed it out into a full-fledged novelization. And that's coming out in a couple of weeks. And I'm actually pretty excited about that. That's cool. I like yeah. the... The Leonard Martin idea, because I want to hear his thoughts on on other movies. Uh, Justin Lin, that name sounds very familiar. Did he start on YouTube? No, he did uh, The Fast and the Furious and um, a couple of other movies. He might well, have I'm, some. I'm looking some at his 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 IMDb's all just franchises. Yep. Uh, Fast and the Furious uh, Community. Uh, Scorpion, that was a TV show. True Detective, oh, that, Star that Trek show Beyond. sucked. Scorpion, yeah. that was terrible. <laughs> yeah. Uh, True Detective, Star Trek Beyond, SWAT, the TV series, Magnum PI TV series. And then he's been announced attached to a Shaolin Temple remake, uh, Jeremy Renner Born sequel, and Fast and the Furious 10. So this motherfucker has a lot of money. That's That's what that tells me. <laughs> yeah don't he's, know how much about him as a director but 
Homeboy he's has money. Very wealthy and very successful. He's one of the uh, the major directors and uh, producers that are working on on these projects. Um, you know, obviously, we didn't really get too deep into Jackie Brown. Do you have any opinions on that movie, or would you just kind of say you would need to revisit it? Uh, well, it's been what two years since we recorded that. Yeah, almost about that. That's a, yeah. that, that was, I think, uh, summer twenty nineteen. Jesus fuck. Uh no, I mean it's it's good. Uh, it's early him, so I think it suffered from some of the things that this one does uh when it comes to early Tarantino, but it's nothing that that will turn you off or or uh, and I actually think that it's probably better to see them now after you're more familiar with his career than starting not knowing what he's going to become or where he gets to uh uh at the end i guess uh but to be honest like i can't really think of many things that happen in the movie so yeah i just like i enjoyed it when i watched it but i don't yeah, really remember you, much yeah. about it you, yeah you're not refreshed enough to be able to say or or have no a I, I just remember the, the one thing i remember is that i didn't like the main guy and i remember you giving me shit for it and brandy too uh what's his name no, Brandy was, like was I think, guy. of the position. Robert Forrester. Um, yes. He plays yeah, Max. Max something. Yeah. Uh, it, her opinion was that he was a creepy old man. I was like, creepy? There's nothing creepy oh. about Robert Forrester in that movie. He's, he, you know, I yeah, can understand no. the argument that he might be kind of bland or whatever. I think he's good in the movie. But, mm. um, yeah, it is what it is. I think that's probably one of his stronger films. Uh did you have any opinion on? Because it seems like his. Oh you wow! Can break his... Justin Lin is sorry. Justin Lin is producing Space Jam too. So just in oh, case so... you didn't know, he had Demise. fucking his hand in money. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Sorry, what's that? Uh, you can. I was just saying you can kind of break up Tarantino's career into two or three sections. I think in uh, Reservoir Dogs, Pulp Fiction, Jackie Brown is its own thing. It's nineties. It's you know pulpy crime. It's fast paced, fast talking. Da 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 da. Then you've got the era of the Kill Bill movies, and I guess Grindhouse you can put into that column, where you have. Well, you these... call that artsy, artsy Tarantino, I, alternative I, Tarantino. I I would say it's more derivative, Tarantino. It's Tarantino honoring the past in a way that is not um, building something that is necessarily as fresh and new as what follows. And I don't think those are those are bad movies whatsoever. The Kill Bill movies or uh, Death Proof. I think they are enjoyable, but they're very over the top in a way that is uh, cartoonish and is clearly meant to just honor the 1970s and 60s and exploitation films, especially. And then when yeah. you get to, then when you get to uh, Inglorious Bastards, that starts something brand new, where he's taking more of a novel esque approach in handling his scripts and his material. Where we're gonna, you know, we're gonna focus on these characters, maybe, but we're gonna venture off and we're gonna tell side stories, and it's all gonna come together by the end of it. Um, and Django Unchained follows a similar um, structure to Inglorious Bastards, and then Hateful Eight. And I would, I, you know, it's maybe too soon to say with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, but I would, would probably put that in that same column as well. Yeah. Even if it's yeah, not yeah. as bombastic as those three films. And I'll tell you what, we, you know, we did a show on Hateful Eight and that was actually, I was like, 
did we did we cover hateful eight that was your first episode as co-host and yeah, barely the, yeah, the, yeah the takeaway from that was wow hateful eight's boring hateful eight was a really yeah. that was a slog i watched it again recently i watched the theatrical me guy. too and me um too. <laughs> what, what, what was your opinion just the same nope no? no, I really enjoyed. I yeah, really, yeah, really got right. into yes. this. Time. I was yeah. like, "This movie's great. This is fucking hilarious." Yeah. I love Walton Goggins and Sam Jackson. That dynamic. I thought it was terrific. I was like, "How could I have been so wrong when I was watching this?" But I'll tell you what. I then watched the extended cut that, that Netflix put out, and I was like, "Yeah, I think that was the problem. I think it works that much better problem. as the the edited theatrical cut." that's condensed and doesn't have, you know, the additional things. When you when you tune into the um the miniseries version, it is it is much tougher to get through. Yeah. I would you say that this is like his epic uh stage of his career because if you if you start counting from um Inglorious Bastards, like his movies start feeling like huge events from then on. Mm-hmm very Ben Hur-ish of him because you have that and then you have Django who's another huge movie with a lot of uh, huge movie cinematography and by that I mean like giant open fields and giant you know uh, showing uh, vast spaces like old movies used to do in those epic movies like Ben Hur for example Mm -hmm. Uh, and then you have uh, 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 the one you just mentioned the name that just slipped by uh, Inglorious no, uh, hatefully, hatefully. Uh, who's also, even though it's very contained and it's all happening in pretty much the same location, uh, the way it's shot and the way that the the performances are, it still feels like a big movie. Like it still feels like an no, event. No, yeah, it, it absolutely is. It's kind of funny that that's one of the movies that are overlooked in his filmography. That and Death Proof are the two that I frequently forget about. And yeah. um, you know, just the the dynamics of that film the fact that it was shot on 70 millimeter and they have ennio morricone doing the score it's also ep- yeah, like what you're saying it's an epic film epic, and yeah. it's um certainly a callback to the past of filmmaking in a way that it feels more natural and taking the initiative to create something new as opposed to something like kill bill where they're literally just like recreating things scene for scene from uh earlier films like lady snowblood and you know things of that matter right. um <clears throat> And yet it is a it's a fairly quiet film by comparison mm-hmm. to his other movies, and especially Django, which um, is just right before that. And that, it's kind of interesting to know that the Sam Jackson character was originally supposed to be Django and it just turned into something completely different. Um, well, and, and, and even with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which is supposed to be the story of this B, uh, B movie action star, but. I mean, if you ignore the cast, it's still a pretty big movie. It still shows filmmaking in the 70s in, a, in, in like a huge scale way as like a big deal. And, and even when he's making all these shitty movies in, in, in other countries or whatever, the production of the movie still feels like an epic movie to me. I don't know if it's the length. I don't know if it's the the way that he shoots it where everything seems so much bigger than the characters uh even when he's just driving around and there's so many cars and so many things happening where he just feels like a little tiny thing inside of a huge thing uh and you don't get that feeling that you get in those what four movies at all in any of the movies before that yeah 
So uh, there, yeah, there, there's definitely something about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood that feels like it is a continuation of what is built with Inglorious Bastards, but also feels like its own thing. And that might just be because it's not even you know with the ending, it's not an inherently violent or yeah. uh, especially action-packed movie. It's much more driven by the characters and um, you know their personal growth as people and uh you know growth apart from one another how they're going down two separate paths and um you know even though it does kick up by the end you know you're you're still completely invested in everything that comes before and the ending feels like a fun cherry on top that this is what all this culminates into so yeah i mean uh, i i i completely agree with your your point there and I think for that reason, maybe Once Upon a Time in Hollywood might be my favorite of his. And maybe that's why he wants to end his career here. Because if if his career has been divided in, say, movements or film movements, if you want to divide it in that, where, like, what's next? Like, I think that's this is the type of movies that he liked, right? That he liked watching when he was little or whatever, the types of movies that he's making. So I guess... You know, you get to a point where you're like, all right, I've done what I wanted, and now I'm just going to go spend the millions that I've made. And that's he probably have like producer credits. So just put my name on it if he likes someone. Mm-hmm. And, you know, good for, yeah. good for him. Yeah. I mean, it's better, to, it's better to end that way than, you know, every other director that we talk about in this show <laughs> that ends in like Russia making whatever movies for a prince or whatever the fuck. <laughs> like, who's, who's watching. Who's watching your last fucking Azerbaijani movies, you know? Sure. No, he's definitely very aware of that. And I don't think he wants to succumb to that fate. But I don't think... He, I mean, that, that seems like a very difficult thing to stick to. Here's what I think is going to happen. I think he's going to do another movie. And he's going to be like, I'm done. That's it. I'm going to write a couple of books. I'm going to focus on family. And then his kid's going to turn like four or five. And he's going to get real bored. And he's gonna go. Yeah. I love. I love being a dad, <laughs> but I got. I got like nothing to do now. This was. This it's was my kid, life. This, this is who know, I am. Five year. Five year olds are not very interesting. You know, there's so many times where they can say something in a funny way that you go, "Ha, all right, <laughs> right." <laughs> you know, <laughs> but that's especially gonna kick in once the kid turns like ten, thirteen, and he's gonna go. Do I got one more? And Oof. he probably will. He, he probably will pick it back you, up. You think? Hundred percent. You think that in? You think that in ten, fifteen, ten, fifteen years? Yeah, let's say ten, fifteen years. Uh, filmmaking would have not changed enough for his style to seem up outdated or played out. No, I th- I think uh, I think all of his movies are going to hold up. Um, and maybe his style, maybe when he comes back, who knows what that looks like. If, if how, just how yeah. authoritarian and puritanical things are going to be at that point, you know, we're probably going to be in prison. Well, I, I will be, yeah. you won't be, uh, being starved. I'll be like Michael Fassbender in hunger, Steve McQueen's hunger, you know, just for making yeah. edgy jokes on the internet at one point in 2015 yeah. or something. Um, no, we'll just be, we, we'll be West Memphis three. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That'll be great. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I for sure think he's going to wind up coming back after a certain point because the dude is all about making movies. He's not John Carpenter who has music or uh, a John Landis who can be like, yeah, look, I decapitated those kids. I'll make more movies. 
And then eventually yeah. he's like, eh, I think I'll stop because I love money. You know, that's not what drives him. I, I mean, I, I really don't think so. Because if that was the case, he would go and make commercial shitty movies. And he doesn't. He only makes his movies. So I think right. he will. I he will eventually probably come back. We'll probably, you know, we'll see something of his within the next three or four years, and I'm sure it'll be good. Will it be as fitting of a swan song as Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? Probably not. But that's a trend with directors. They always make their fi- what feels like their final film right before their final movie. Cassavetes did that with Love Streams. Scorsese's kind of doing that with The Irishman, and now he's on um, the film they're shooting in Virginia right now with. DiCaprio, where he's playing a serial killer. You know, there's plenty of directors that that have that penultimate movie that feels like the final film. Do you think he would ever go into TV? Yeah, I I think he was going to do a Bounty Law TV show for Netflix. So I I know that he said, oh, during quarantine, I actually wrote an entire miniseries. I wrote a couple of plays. I was doing this and that. So he seems to be big into the writing right now, but... um, I, I don't know. I don't I still don't think it's even remotely the same as being on a set and then getting into the editing bay and doing this and that. So now uh I know that there's a saying that you should never meet your heroes, right? I don't know if he's one of your heroes or not. I assume he is. I don't know Do if I'd say he's, he's my hero. When I was like fifteen, I would definitely say, Oh yeah, Quentin Tarantino's the guy. Okay, I but mean I would I would say he's one of my favorite are... working filmmakers. Yeah. Do you think she's, he's the type of personality where it would be interesting to talk to him? Like to yeah. have a conversation like we're having right now? Or do you think he's like abrasive and don't, don't know? Because... Um, I, I think it depends on, on the situation, right? Because I've heard stories about him being a very nice guy and super knowledgeable and, you know, talking about film and TV and going real deep obscurity. And he's got that all that knowledge firsthand that ain't shit that he's read on wikipedia that's him being a kid in the 70s watching terrible movies and tv shows and having a love for that um and then i've also heard stories about like someone's coming up to him at a club trying to say hello and jamie fox steps between them and he's like fuck off so i've heard that too so i think it depends on the situation to be fair, if I was successful and someone approached me at a club, I would probably get a Jamie Fox to do the same thing. I would get a gun. <laughs> so take 10 yeah, paces just, back. Yeah, I would just be like, please don't bother me. I'm drunk. This is embarrassing. <laughs> if anyone was like, yo, low res on the street, I would just start yeah. running. I would start pace. I would. I'd be out of there. Yeah. So that's how that would go. So if you recognize Lores on the street, just shout. I don't know if you with a mask on, but yeah. No, I like yeah, to go out it. like the invisible man. I wear the mask and the sunglasses, and I put up a hood like the Unabomber, and I'm out. Even in 95 degree weather, which it is right now. So, like the Riddler. Like, the new yeah, yeah, I don't. I uh, the mask I'm wearing is actually a thin eye mask, <laughs> like a burglar. Um, so that's that's how you'll know it's me. Yolo anyway. rest. <laughs> Yolo rest. That's actually my new sitcom where I'm a teacher in the hood. You know, I'm teaching yeah. English lit in the projects. Uh, that's coming out. Oh, you're on... teaching feel. You're teaching filmmaking in the projects. Yeah, yeah. Trying to find the next. Uh, uh, we did Moonlight. Yeah, Spike Lee. Spike Lee's Moonlight. So that's Jamie that's coming Fox. to Paramount Plus in November. That's a very exciting <laughs> show that's going to be yeah. happening. Anyway. Yeah. 
All right, we're. I think we're. I think. Look, yeah, I think we're good with this show. It's already three thirty in the morning. We 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 did so much streaming today. Yeah, if if you're wondering why we look like shit, it's because we were (laughs) on a previous stream for about three hours before this, and now, well, right now it's one thirty here. It's three thirty over there. I don't know why you keep saying my time. Uh, right? It's three. It's three thirty. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why we look like shit. Uh, not because. We usually look like shit, which we usually do, but you know, today's extra puffy, I guess. Yep, that's right. I had a yeah. film shoot today at, at uh like eleven o'clock. I had to pick up and resume some shooting from yesterday and we had to wrap at an uh, pretty early hour, like four or five PM. And uh then I got like a half hour nap between that and between doing the stream tonight with the Death Curse guys. So I am beat. I am drained. Yeah. Uh, any yeah. any closing thoughts on on Tarantino or his films? You know, this kind of turned into a general Tarantino talk instead of just Reservoir Dogs. So I'm going to retitle this episode the Quentin Tarantino retrospective. Boom! Extra thousand views on YouTube or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why not? Uh, um, I mean, what can you say about him that? everyone has it said already you know it's not like you can say hey go watch these movies like no one's seen them you know i think i think modern day speaking he's one of the best still uh and he has one of the most consistent uh filmographies that you can think of if and not just modern uh filmmaking speaking like i think even his weaker movies still hold up and they're still enjoyable uh with if if you don't count his what is it? The first one, the something French. Oh my god! Yeah, that's not even finished. So we, you can't really. Count yeah, that. that's not okay. So you can't really count that. But after that, like he's been consistent with uh, quality in not just his filmmaking, but also his writing. Uh, what is it? Uh, Natural Born Killers, right? Uh, yeah. So he did the uh, um, the screenplay to Natural Born Killers, and Oliver Stone changed it up so much that uh, he only wound up with a story credit by the end of it. But if you take a look at his screenplay, it's not not that dissimilar. He also did True Romance, which I'll tell you is not a movie that holds up as well. Um, Oh, yeah? It's still fun, but it's not like... I remember watching that when I was like 25 and being like, this this is great, this is slick, this is fast-paced, good writing. And it has the Tarantino vibe to it, because I think Reservoir Dogs had come out by that time, and Tony Scott was trying to direct it in his style. And it's still a good movie. It's still a very enjoyable movie. But uh, it, it doesn't hold up the same way. And uh, he also, um, there was another one. There was Natural Born Killers, True Romance. And From Dusk Till Dawn. From Dusk Till Dawn, which I have learned. Um, he kind of did 50% of the directing on that. But hmm. n- not enough to, I mean, I think the agreement that they made was, I'm going to write the script. You are going to direct it. And that's just how it's going to go. But Tarantino, even even though he's acting in a supporting role, you know, I've I've heard that he essentially directed half that movie. It wouldn't surprise me. I think he's he's a much stronger personality than Robert Rodriguez. Rodriguez seems like such a nice guy. Kind of timid. He seems timid in his interviews and and talks. Yeah, his demeanor is not as as intense as Tarantino, so I can completely see him just be overpowered by let me just try this let me just let me just by this thing. the let me biggest just... director of that year yeah. the guy who yeah just came out the gate and got nominated for best picture and you know um I, I i would probably say that from dusk till dawn is 
maybe Rodriguez's best film. Best? I was looking through his thing for that same reason. And um, Sin City? Yeah, Sin City, you, you get a pretty good case for. You got Once Upon a Time in Mexico. That one's pretty good, too. Uh, but yeah, was, you got Mariachi, Desperado. The Faculty, Spy Kids. He's got, he's, he's got such a peculiar filmography where he will do his like Mexico passion projects, crime, and then he will do like Spy Kids Six. And uh, well, he had, owns a channel, right? I don't know if it still El Rey. exists. A Ray, uh, which was fine if you're into that type of thing, uh, that like type of grindhouse, type of more dirty uh, production type of thing. I think the problem but, with that was to have a channel like that where it's going to just carry on indefinitely. It, you know that that resurgence of the grindhouse style wore out its welcome within a yeah. five, six, seven year span. So yeah, should we do? No, never mind. I was going to say, should we do a, a, a Robert Rodriguez filmography retrospect? But I'm not watching. There's a, 50 there's spy a lot. Kids. Yeah. No, I, I, you there's... know, I think I think we could probably get away with doing one without those films. I, w- I wouldn't just be opposed directing. to, yeah, just, just directing. directing. All right, let's see. So we got Mariachi, Desperado, Four Rooms from Dust Till Dawn. Oh, Four Rooms. That's a Quentin Tarantino one we didn't yeah. really talk about. We don't. We, we don't really need to talk about it. That's probably the worst piece of film that it, has his name. That's. On it. That is one that doesn't hold up at all. I remember enjoying that one a lot when I was younger. That Team Roth character was great. And I watched it recently, and it's, uh, it's not... It's not it's, Tarantino's fault, and it's not even Robert Rodriguez's fault, but um, that that's just not a good movie. Let's see. You got Once Upon a Time in Mexico. You got Sin City, Grindhouse, Planet Terror. Oh, no, Planet Terror will be... Uh, and then from then Machete, Machete Kills... And, I uh, you know what I watched I watched the Machete films like maybe back in October, and um, that was right after I, I had watched I think no actually I, I think I watched it in February I've just lost track of time because I watched Sin City again for the first time in ages and I was like some of this still looks kind of cool but in a dated to 2005 sort of way and uh, it really lost its spectacle of what it was and what it meant at that time visually. Um, which is unfortunate, but I guess to be expected when it's so heavy yeah. on the, you know, the filters and everything. And then I, I decided to check out uh, Death Proof, and I then went into Machete and Machete Kills because those were the Grindhouse trailers, right? And yeah. uh, both of those sucked. Both of those were really bad. Yeah, yeah, they're not even enjoyable. Bad. They have the moments, but. It they feel like the Sharknado movies to me. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. That's a good call. Yeah. Where it's like, hey, we're in on the joke, but the joke's not really funny. So, thanks. And it's, I guess it's in eighty extra minutes of of just what you saw. So yeah, cool. Uh, then you have Alita: Battle Angel. Haven't seen that, uh, but I've heard no, good things. Uh, Red Eleven. Which that's, is something I've never heard of. That's a horror movie he shot for $8,000 to oh, kind of okay. like this... redo what he did at the beginning, but as a horror film for his channel, I think. 
Oh, that's cool. It says, yeah, research hospital where Robert Rodriguez sold his body to pay for a mariachi. That's cool. Okay. I, that book, have you read that book, by the way? The no, 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 I've been meaning to. It's, it's good. Oh, and then We Can Be Heroes is another superhero kids movie. Yeah, you know what? It wouldn't be that difficult to get through his thing. So maybe we would, maybe. Yeah, I, th- I think maybe. doing it in bits and pieces would probably be the best approach. Should we do a, yeah. a Takashi Miike retrospective? Why not? Yeah, that guy's got 112 films. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> let's do it. Let's see when we finish. I I actually don't. No, like, we should do a. I don't. I don't we like. We should do a Tetsuo though. I like. Uh, oh well, yeah. I, I would be up for Tetsuo. That might be good for Civic TV There's... though. Um, yeah, uh, the only sequel, one from. Right? Oh, Body Hammer. That's. That one's not good, but it's still visually interesting. It's more, um, well, it's in color, first of all. And that's, that's I mean, I don't know. I, I, I'd have to watch it again before I actually formulate an opinion Did on you it. see the, the third one? 2019 one? Oh, 2009 one? There's a, yeah, no, I, that was well, for IFC. Uh, that's an American production, too. I haven't yeah. seen that. And it's, it's kind of hard to find. My bootleg guy sells that. You can't it's get the like same a, director, isn't it? Shinya yeah. Sukam. Yeah, yeah. They, that's not in his box set. They just released. People, uh, people don't seem to like that one. The third one. The third I mean, one. that's how we could do it. I guess if we just do it like the the trilogy. trilogy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'd be up for that. That that wouldn't be bad. I know he's done other body horror films that might be worth checking out. But we'll, I mean, we'll see about that. Um, yeah, we, we've got the. Uh, We've got a double feature coming up for Thursday's show. And we'll see if that's going to be one episode or two episodes. But uh, that should be a whole lot of fun oh. since you, you struggled to get through at least one of them. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't you? Um, it's uh, Look, it, it had more to do with the copy than uh, the, the content of the movie because it's like lost to time. The only version of the film, which we're not going to reveal just yet, which you've definitely never heard of if you're listening to this because you know you probably weren't even alive in like 1983 or whenever this came out it was a TV movie 77 oh, no, no, oh so. well yeah i mean even the original is hard to find uh but i got a yeah. copy i got a pretty good copy 1080p copy um but the the sequel the 1983 sequel is uh made for TV and to my knowledge has never been replayed but somebody uploaded it and there was a VHS copy and they they cropped out uh, Call Me by Blondie, which was the, the theme song. It, so. it feels very Hen- Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer 2 to me. But let's just leave it as, at that. The first one or the second yeah. one? The second one. Because it's just yeah. like, what the mm. what? What is this? <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> you know? Oh, oh, Henry 2. Just... Henry 2. Yeah. 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 That's, yeah. <laughs> that would be another good double feature, I think. I would the, the Henry film. Glad that I have to finish the second <laughs> Henry film. <laughs> that that's yeah. uh, that's very Lost Boys sequel-y. You know, just the the movie that has no need for a sequel whatsoever is now part of a series that shouldn't be a series that nobody even knows. Yeah, is with a series a, with a different actor and everything that surrounds the character is completely different than yeah. the previous one. It's like the yeah. Jarhead movies. <laughs> You know, the jar, yeah. everybody loves the Jarhead series. The first, you know, the Never series seen. that stars Jake Gyllenhaal and Jamie Foxx. And oh, I think, 
uh, like John, John Cena. Cena or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think Tom Berenger's in there. Late, late in life, Tom Berenger looks like William Peterson now. Anyway, that's been movies for this week. That's the Quentin Tarantino retrospective. We will uh, yeah. we'll catch you next week. Donate to the fundraiser if you got a couple of you know bucks to to throw down and help us out. Help us finish this movie. So we're we're picture locked by December. That'd be great. Otherwise, patreon.com slash Loras, and we will catch you for the next one.